This is the Sunday where I do the State of the Church. That's not terribly creative as a title. We toyed with my entering from the back this year with the chairman of the deacons yelling, Mr. Speaker, the pastor of Gillum Springs, but <laughs> we decided that would not be a good idea, so I'm not doing that. But I do want to give you some updates on numbers and things that we look at, and then a word from Romans chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, I'll be in Romans 5, one verse only this morning, at the end of our time together. Let me say a word to all of you. Some of our church families were affected by the storms yesterday with some damage to their homes, and by the time I talked to them and got there, Many of you had already been there and helped them, and so thank you for being the church, to the church yesterday, and not just to the church, but to the community. Uh, you know that uh, one of our schools in the community was severely damaged, and we need to be in prayer for the Marshall County system as they figure out what to do there, but thank you for stepping in and checking on folks and, and expressing the love of Christ. I think that's so important for the church to do for the community. Now, if you're new to Gillum Springs, we do this towards the early part of January every year, and there are certain measurements that we have, certain measurements that we look at. I want to make very clear to you, this does not completely define this church or any church. These are just a few things to look at. There's much more to measure in the life of a disciple, in the life of any church, but I do want to give you all these updates on a yearly basis. And so the place we start is at baptism. How many were baptized? Now, again, if you're new here, if you're a guest with us, we're a Baptist church, and so for us, baptism, the physical act of being immersed, is twofold. Number one, that marks our identification with Christ. We believe in the New Testament. Uh, scripture's clear. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're a Baptist church, therefore, we do practice immersion, dunking, plunging, holding under till they bubble, squeam, uh, scream, or squirm. That's what we practice. So for us, there's a mark of believing and trusting Christ and lordship. But as a Baptist church, there's a second thing for us, and that is um, to identify with this local church. And so that's why sometimes you will see and hear someone in our baptistry, and we will say they've been Christians for quite some time, but they've never been immersed, and so they will come to be a part of our church through immersion. So that's one of the things that we look at every year, how many folks have been baptized. And so in 2015, it was 21, 2016 was 38, 17 was 29, last year 23, this past year 33. Then we look at other additions. And again, our year goes from August, or rather from September to August. And so other additions is not a very creative way to describe what that is. Uh, Southern Baptists have, when you become a part of a Southern Baptist church, you have a letter. Now, you don't have your letter. We have your letter, and it's in a lockbox in the office. That I'm just kidding. But if you've ever identified with a Southern Baptist church, and you move to a new location, you move to a different... We just transfer those letters. It's a way of saying we know who these people are. They've been saved. They've been baptized. They were here. Now they're there. Others, however, have been immersed in baptism, 
For us, it's the immersion, but they've been a part of a different tradition. And so they can come if they've been immersed. They just come on a statement of faith. I'm a Christian. I've been saved. I've been immersed. And so if you did not come through baptism, you came from another church or from a different tradition having been immersed. So our other additions from September of 18 to August of 19, this year there were 36. And so when you add baptisms and you add other additions, then the total growth, if you want to know a bottom line sort of thing, what are we talking about? Those who have become a part of our church and the family of God this year in this church, our total additions from September of 18 to August of 19, in 2015 it was 64, 2016 it was 96, 2017 was 63, last year was 47, this year was 69, and some of you are among those 69, and we say, welcome to Gillum Springs Baptist Church. We're glad for all the Lord's doing, and we appreciate Him bringing growth to our church. Another very critical piece for us each year is to look at discipleship participation. We believe it is very important for those who are a Christian, who are followers of Jesus, part of the body of Christ, a member of the church, to be involved in discipleship. Now, for us, that's just a, a smaller group meeting. Uh, we currently have uh, Sunday school going on right now. Some folks who were in the early service went to Sunday school. Those folks will come in for the third service. So that's one area of smaller group participation is Sunday school. And let me say, as I've said before, we believe everybody ought to be a part of a smaller group. I would urge you to be a part of a Sunday school class or a life group. We do life groups primarily on Sunday nights. We took the fall off because we went to a three-worship, three-Sunday school Format, we thought we all kind of needed to catch our breath to figure out how that's going to work. It worked really well. Everybody asked me the week after, how'd it go? And I said, it went frighteningly well. And so I don't know if that's planning or God's grace saying, y'all can't figure it out. Let me handle it. That's probably more likely what happened. But we took the fall off from life groups. So the numbers skewed a little bit because we have a whole fall semester that we could not count because nobody was meeting. But let me say this about small groups. This is critical to the life of a church. The Bible says don't forsake the gathering together. We ought to do this. We ought to come together. We ought to worship together. We ought to hear the word together. We ought to fellowship together. But I'm going to tell you, you need to be a part of a smaller group. And I would urge you to find a Sunday school class or a life group to be a part of. And I will go further as I have before. If the Sunday comes where you've only got one hour now, I would hope you'd have two hours every week, three also. You can come worship, study, and serve. But if you've only got one hour, I would urge you to be in a Sunday school class. Did y'all hear me? That's how important I think it is. This is great. We need to do this. We do, we've done a lot to make sure we can fit more people in here to do this. But you need a small group. So if you've not yet found a Sunday school class, if you've not yet plugged into a life group, we would love to help you do that. That number is measured, and we average that. So in 2015-16, our average in discipleship was 491. In 2019, which is September of, or August of 19 to present, it's 533. So that number is increasing. 
we have seen a trend where more people are choosing life groups over Sunday school. And that's great. We told you previously, choose at least one. But now remember, we didn't have anything to measure in the fall. So the number is really good to go from 491 to 533, and that's the average. Find a small group is the word from that. We also look at giving. We believe giving... Uh, as you are growing in your faith and you're a part of the body of Christ and you're a part of the church, then we give. And that money is used to expand the kingdom. And so, uh, 2015, our yearly giving was $1,196,618.54. And this past year, it was $1,654,534.54. And eight cents. And so we're grateful for the growth in that area, believing that that will enable us to do more for the Lord. And you'll see that when we look at missions giving. Now, again, some of you, you didn't grow up in a Baptist church, it's still new to you. We have two big mission offerings that we push each year. One is the Lottie Moon offering that goes towards international missions. We have several thousand Southern Baptist missionaries that we help support. And they are scattered around the world to preach the gospel. And we also have the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, and that money is spent on North American missions, primarily planting churches in unreached parts of our country, various cities from the south to the northeast, the northwest, the southwest, all over. And so those two mission offerings are the ones that we really push. Now, you're going to see a decline And I'll speak to that in just a moment. In 2015, our Lottie Moon Christmas total was $88,854.50. In 2019, it was $52,927. Now, if it looks like that's a decline, it's because there's a decline. And I will own some of that because I ceased to emphasize the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for some season. Uh, There are various reasons for that, but I think that we definitely need to get back where we're putting a greater emphasis on that. And there was a particular year where we emphasized giving $100,000. And so I think we can and should get back to where we would exceed $100,000 to support our missionaries overseas. Our Annie Armstrong offering in 2015 was $29,269, and last year was $15,084.80, and again, a decline for, partly, lack of emphasis. But, please don't think that we're doing less for missions, because our total missions giving in 2018 was 247000 but in this past year, It was $261,440.29. And there are a lot of ways that we are supporting missions. Church plants, uh, doing things overseas in different countries, investing in kids in Haiti and Africa, and I'll speak to that in just a minute. So while some offerings have declined, our actual outflow of missions dollars has increased. And so for that... I say thanks be to God. Uh, Let me say a word just about a few various sundry things to sort of give you an update. If you've been around here for a while, you may have noticed uh, there's a little bit of chaos. And by that I mean, where are we going to park this week? How are we going to get in the church office this week? 
What are we going to do about fill in the blank? There's been a lot that has gone on. A big change for us recently, the addition of our Recreation Outreach Center. This year, we finished the paving in the back, the addition of light poles. We brought that around to this south parking lot. We also changed the grade. So some of you who are a little bit older, hopefully you find it easier to literally get in the building. As the grade has changed, there's an easier approach to the church. And so y'all remember all that chaos from several weeks ago? Y'all remember that? It was messy. It was dirty. It was a hat. We're going to do it over here now. And so, we're also going to do grade work here, and it's multi-purpose. We need to get water away from this building, but we want to make it easier to actually, literally, access the building. And so, if you park over here, and I'm glad that you do, you're going to notice some changes in the next coming weeks, and just be patient with us as we continue to, to do that work, to finish our North Welcome Center, and I do want to say a word about Two people in particular in our church who serve in some leadership roles on teams, but Gary Hooten and Clark Sparks have worked tirelessly to get us where we are at this point as far as for the paving and the lighting. Some of this still ongoing. So if you have a chance, those guys have just gone above and beyond. Um, think with me about new ministries, if you will, and reflect with me several years back when the discussion was about building a recreation center, and some folks thought, well, why would we build a building that's just used for basketball? And I need to tell you, it's not just used for basketball. We have 140 kids involved in Upward this year. That is our largest number since we began this ministry before I got here. We knew that bringing it on campus would make it easier. We would have control over access to space, and we knew that would help. So 140 kids means 140 families. And 140 families means grandparents and aunts and uncles and siblings. There's a lot more folks that are coming, and week in and week out, we're sharing the gospel with those kids and those that are in attendance. But that big gymnasium has also been used to assist Room in the Inn, a ministry to homeless people in Marshall County. And we're grateful for those who serve in that capacity. It has hosted the Arab school system on a number of occasions. We hosted them all for lunch, and we were so glad to be able to do that. They've used our rooms over there to bring their students for some training events. The football team has been hosted here. Their banquet was held this year. Another church, their Celebrate Recovery Ministry, has outgrown their facilities, and they've used our facilities for a few years now. We packed 500 shoeboxes to send around the world. We've hosted widows' banquets and senior meetings. We've done a lot in that building. And men's ministry came online about the time our recreation ministry did. And they have assisted 45 different families this year in ARAB, small repairs at home or building ramps. And so all of that ministry that started there hasn't stayed there. It's going out. It's going further. It's touching more lives. And you need to know about that. 
Now, let me say a word about missions. We've talked about the dollars, and that's important, but there's other stuff. I don't know if y'all remember, back several months ago, I was practically begging y'all to give so we could have a well in a village called Chidobi in Zimbabwe. I don't know if y'all remember that, but it seemed like every week I was begging for money. We needed $25,000, which sounds like a lot, to dig a hole pull the water up, store the water, and have safe, drinkable water for a village where we're trying to get a church off the ground in Zimbabwe. Do y'all remember hearing about that? Have y'all just forgotten that? So we begged, we pleaded, we bargained. We got $18,000, and we were not sure we were going to be able to get a well. Took $10,000. It was physically carried to Zimbabwe. And would you believe we found a partner in Zimbabwe we did not know about? And they said, let us come alongside of you. And if you'll invest your $10,000, we'll invest our money, and we'll have that well you wanted in that village. And we have started digging, and we're praying. Here's what you need to pray. Pray they hit water the first time. Because if they don't hit it the first time, it's going to cost a little bit more. But I'm telling you all about that because that ministry has said, we'll partner with you in other ways. And we said, well, we've got $8,298 left. And they said, we'll bring our money and we'll dig a second well at the next village down the road. Isn't that exciting? This is where y'all shout, hallelujah. Now, I know, I know for most of us that's not a big deal because we just go to the refrigerator and get all the water we want. But I'm telling you, these folks are carrying water for two miles. And if we can get a, a well in that village, it will be a wonderful tool to open that whole area up to the gospel. So by God's grace, the end of 2020, we'll have two wells on the road to Chidobi, and we're excited about that. We also developed uh, Springs of Hope, where we're investing in children in Haiti and also in Uganda. And some of you, by the leadership of the Lord, have felt inspired to uh, support that, and if that's you... You're helping to educate these kids in Haiti and Uganda. Let me give you the dates, March 20, uh, excuse me, March 7 and 8 of this year. That is our Engage Missions Conference. When you jot that down, March 7, 8, do not jot down, skip church. <laughs> do not jot down, be out of town. You jot down, don't miss church, March 7 and 8. Our Engaged Missions Conference is so important for the life of our church. And it's also a great time of fellowship on that Sunday evening with our missions fair. We want you to be here. Now I need to shift gears. And if you zoned out, as sometimes folks do with numbers and stuff like that, I need you to zone in, okay? Is everybody zoned in? I need to give you today a... Um, I need to give you some information, and, and this is a genuine request for prayer. A lot of times in these services, I will announce something, and, and I'm not announcing anything, but I am asking you all to pray. There's been an issue that has kind of been in the realm of the church and the pastor, and, and should we, ought we, why don't we? And so I've just determined this year's the year we're going to determine should we, ought we, and will we. Um, back summertime, I reached out to our minister of missions, our former minister of missions, and the chairman of our missions team. So Will, Jeremy, 
Misty Puccio. And I said, would you all come meet with me? And I said, I would like for you to pray and, and come up with some names of our people that you believe to be prayer-focused and, and eager to discern something uh, from the Lord. And they did, and that group began to meet, and we began to pray. And here's the topic. Should we plant a church or have a satellite campus? Now, this is not an announcement that we are doing anything. So if you leave here today and say, Gillum Springs is doing fill in the blank, I'm going to call you a liar. I'm going to pretend like I've never met you. This is not an announcement. It is a genuine, heartfelt request for prayer. I have had people say to me, why do y'all not have a satellite somewhere? And, and so satellite campuses, that's a movement that started. We're familiar with Church of the Highlands. It didn't start with them. They're not the first ones to ever do that. But bless their hearts, they're struggling with 50,000 people this week. I hope it works for them. Um, <laughs> but I'm kidding. God's doing a great work. Uh, in our town, some of you know Desperation. It's a satellite of a church that's in Coleman. Some of you know Connect Church. It's a satellite of a church in Gunnersville. And so Desperation has four campuses, Connect Church three, Church of the Highlands, 17, 18, 20,000, I'm not sure. Um, I'm kidding. Um, so I've had people say to me, why, why don't y'all do that? And I've never just felt in my spirit, this is what we ought to do. But here's the challenge, and I'm just being very honest with you. Here's where the Lord began to just kind of grab my heart. We live just south of Huntsville, Alabama. Did y'all know that? And almost every week, there, there's a new announcement of businesses that are coming. Um, everything that I read, everything that I hear... The people that I guess are in the know tell me that within five years, Huntsville will be the largest city in Alabama. And it's not just growth. It is, it is a diverse population that is coming. And so because we are located here, I begin to wonder, has the Lord positioned us here to do something? So... That group began to pray. That prayer group stretched into our missions team, stretched into our deacons. And, and we've just asked folks to pray. And I'm asking you today to pray. Should we do something? Now, we went and talked to the Madison Baptist Association. And they said, we do not have enough churches. We need more churches. And they said, please come. And by that, they meant, please come. We talked to the state convention, the Alabama Baptist State Convention. All their research indicates they need more churches. They said, please. So when we sat down with them, they said, yeah. And they began to name places where we need churches. We are behind. We can't keep up. The place is, going to, is growing too quickly for us. And so all we've said is we are praying. Now, here are some things that I know. I know that the Lord is blessing our ministry here. I stand before you. Every year I've stood before you as pastor, I've been able to display for you, based on numbers, how we are growing. So the Lord's blessing this ministry. Here's the other thing I know. The gospel is the only hope of this world. That I'm certain of. Now here's the third thing that I'm pretty convinced of. I mean, I've, I've, I've talked to the mayor. Huntsville is growing. It is changing. There are people coming in. You all have already been frustrated by the traffic when you have to go there. Why? Because it's growing. Now, 
Those are the things I know beyond the shadow of a doubt. Here's what we don't yet know. Is Gillum Springs supposed to be a part of that solution to reach that community for Christ? That's what we don't know. That's why I'm asking you to pray. I am not announcing anything. I'm not telling you a decision has been made. I'm telling you what has happened to this point is everybody sees the need and says we need to pray. Because if we were to launch out and to do something, we know it's doable. Churches do this all the time. We know it's doable. It doesn't mean we should do it. Because it will take time and energy and resources and all of that. But the need is there. And we have the message for the people that are there and that are coming. So would you please just pray that the Lord would make clear, should we be a part of that solution? And if not, make that abundantly clear. I do not ever want to get in front of the Lord, but I don't think we ought to be chasing after him trying to catch up. I want to be exactly where he wants us to be. So please pray. Now, if you have your Bibles, we finished last week... And, and, and we finished in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And there the Bible says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, ends on the theme of hope. And I told you last week, it's not hope like, I hope I get this gift. I hope it's under the Christmas tree. It is hope that you and I place in the God who created us, the God who sustains us, the God who sent his son Jesus to die for us. Our help comes from Christ dying for the ungodly at the right time, at the time when the ESV says we were weak. Now, I'll be honest with you, I much prefer a different translation there. I think the New American Standard does a better time because it says, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. See, it's not just that we were weak, it is that we were helpless. The Greek word describes a sickness that is such that we are made weak. But it describes a sickness that is such that we are so weak we can do absolutely nothing. And so we need to understand what Scripture says. And it is that you and I, not only are we sinners, we are incapable of bringing about any change to that status. We cannot do anything for ourselves. God has to do something for us. And the Bible says, not only does he help, but it talks about our hour. It says it was at the right time. Now, you've likely heard the story, heard the sermon, read the lesson. There's a difference between chronos and kairos in the Greek New Testament. Chronos is this time. Chronos is you saying, I wish he'd hurry up so I can leave. Chronos is you saying, I've got to get to the movie at this time. Chronos is what you and I measure. Kairos is that God time. That God moment that he orchestrates, that he brings together. It was at that right time that the Bible says he sent his son Christ to die for the ungodly. 
It's describing the world into which Jesus was born, that politically and financially and governmentally, socially, everything was ready for Jesus to come. So this verse, verse 6 of Romans chapter 5, speaks about our help, it speaks about our hour, but it also addresses our hope. The Bible says that Christ died for the ungodly. The ungodly. In the Greek, it's a compound word. It's the word sebomai, which is to worship or to venerate, but it has the addition of ah, which negates the word. So the Bible says that Christ died for those that are without worship. It describes someone who has no moral compass. It describes someone who is not worshiping as they should. It's a selfish person seeking their own way, their own pleasure, their own desires. It's only used nine times in the New Testament. 2 Peter chapter 2 describes it as those who did not make it onto the boat in the flood. It, it's, it's a word used of those who when the world is over and the Lord has called his church out, they're the ones who are left, the ungodly. And it is a horrible description. It's a terrible state in which to find yourself. But guess what? It was all of us before the grace of God touched our hearts. It was all of us until the Spirit of God blew in our spirits. It was all of us until the Word of God came alive in us. Charles Hodge was a Presbyterian minister. He died in 1878. He was the principal of Princeton Theological Seminary. He wrote a commentary on the book of Romans. Listen to what he said about this passage. He said, if God loved us because we loved him, he would love us only so long as we love him. And on that condition, and then our salvation would depend on the constancy of our treacherous hearts. But as God loved us as sinners, as Christ died for us as ungodly, our salvation depends, as the apostle argues, not on our loveliness, but on the constancy of the love of God. At just the right time, when we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. Why would I tell you that today? Well, because our hope is the same hope that this world has, and it's the only hope, and it is Jesus. You see, Gillum Springs, we've seen the Lord do a lot in us and through us in 2019, but there's more yet to do. You and I have the great and wonderful privilege of telling everybody and anybody that Jesus died for them and that there is hope in him. We are the church, and that is our message. I was at a funeral on Friday for one of our longtime members who had been in a nursing home for at least eight years, and many of you would not remember, nor would you know her, but our former pastor, Max Roden, preached the message, and as always, he did a very good job. And he said something in that message where I found myself amening, which is probably not the most appropriate thing to do in a funeral setting. But he made the point, and the reason why it resonated with me, you'll know. He said a lot of times the pastors are seen as the church. They're the ones who are most visible. They're the ones who are most vocal. 
And a lot of times people will say, oh, yeah, that's where Jamie is, Jamie and Gillum Springs. We just kind of go, hand, and I'll tell you, I count myself privileged to be the pastor of this church. I've told you before, God has to check my heart when I get with my colleagues because pastors talk like everybody else. How's things going? And I just have to tamp it down, you know, because I got a lot I could brag about. But he made the point, and he said, the church is not the pastor. Why? Because I'm not the greatest Christian in the church. I'm not the greatest Bible student in the church. I'm not the greatest witness in the church. I'm not the most faithful person. You are. We are the church. And you and I must be found faithful, sharing the hope that is ours with this world, which begins just outside these doors. May we be faithful in 2020. Would you pray with me? Father, today we're thankful for the help, for the hour, but the hope that is ours. That at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. May I and we never forget we're the ungodly. We're the ones who needed it. And I pray, Father, that you would find us faithful telling that story to everyone everywhere that they too can find hope in Christ. As always, Lord, it's my prayer that every person who hears this message today, whether in this room or online or on a podcast, would know that they know that they know that they have a right and saving relationship with you. But if not, God, would you remind them that there's hope. Because Christ died for the ungodly. We rejoice at what you have done and what you've entrusted to us. And pray, Father, you would find us faithful going forward with the message of hope in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.